Anyone who's had a teacher say their name wrong knows just how important a name can be. Join Dr. Brown as we look at the third commandment and learn to feel the weight of God's name. This is Hearing is Believing. We had a friendly neighbor in one of our old neighborhoods that was always out walking his dogs. And back then we had our Great Dane, and so we would always meet when we were walking our dogs. And he came up to me one time and introduced himself, and I introduced myself. We said a cordial hello. But every time I would see him, he would raise his hands. No matter the distance that he was, he would raise his hand, and he would say, How about it, Tom? Now, my name's Andy, not Tom. <laughs> Timothy, I guess, is sort of close to Tom. And so I would just raise my hand back, and I would say, How about it, Jack? And we'd just go on about our day. And so this continued for probably about three years. He would call me Tom. I would call him Jack. And so finally one day I got a little convicted. I said, listen, we passed each other, and I, I came up to him, and I said, listen, man, my name is Andy. And he told me his name, and he acknowledged my name again, and we said hello like we'd met for the first time. And I went away thinking that that was it. And uh, three days later, or four days later, whatever, I saw him. And he raised his hand from a great distance, and he said, How about it, Tom? And I just shook my head, and I say, How about it, Jack? And to this day, honestly, I cannot remember his name. <laughs> and obviously, he can't remember mine either. But so much for being on a first-name basis with my neighbor. And there's something special, if we all can think. There's something special about being on a first-name basis with folks. No one likes to be called by the wrong name. It's particularly important for those of you who are doctors, especially those of you who are surgeons. If you walk into a patient's room, don't call the patient that you're fixing to cut on by the wrong name. They'll make them very nervous. But there's something special about being on a first name basis. It's a mark of a relationship. And many of you have wondered what to call me. And after all, <laughs> I don't even know my own name. I have the privilege of being Timothy Andrew Brown, and my, dad, and my brother, uh, he's the one that named me. How did he come up with that name? Well, there was a neighbor down the street. His name was Timothy Andrew Brown. Maybe they were friends. I don't know. But anyway, there's two Timothy Andrew Browns that go by Andy in my hometown of Newnan. So when I moved back to Newnan, people were wondering, am I that Andy Brown? And my answer was, I'm not that Andy Brown. But anyway, my name is Timothy Andrew. And so Andy, or is it Timothy, or is it just Andrew, or is it T.A. Brown, or is it T. Andrew Brown, or maybe a new one for me, is it Dr. Brown, to which I just simply say, yeah, call me whatever you want to call me. But we're studying the Ten Commandments here, and we have the privilege of looking at Exodus chapter 20, and I invite you to take your Bible and join me in Exodus chapter 20. And we're looking at these Ten Commandments, or these Ten words. And today, we get to focus our attention on the third word. Look in particular at Exodus 20 and verse 7. Hear the word of our Lord. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The word of our Lord. And so here's the question that we have before us this morning, is what is the Lord calling us to? 
as we encounter that third word in verse 7. The simplest thing for us today would just simply be to say, don't use God's name as a cuss word or as slang, or don't use God's name when you're angry. The simplest thing for us to do today as we look at that third word would just simply to say, watch what you say. But if we walked away with only that in our minds, we would leave this morning without feeling the weight of the third word. Look at the Bible. That word vain there, you know what that word vain means? The word vain means empty. Empty. And so to take the name of the Lord in vain means to use it without feeling its weight. Now, the Lord's name is anything but hollow. It's hallowed. Hallowed. Now, that's not a word that we say often. Hallowed is a word that we use, but we really don't know what it means. Hallowed just means holy. Holy. And the word holy is translated from a Hebrew word, kabod. And you know what that word means? It means weighty. And so if you don't feel the weight, listen carefully, if you don't feel the weight of the name of the Lord, then you're taking it in vain. As we come to these ten words week in and week out, we're coming to these ten words and we're reminding ourselves that these ten words are not just to be plastered on a wall like I have them or had them in my home. I haven't found that box yet. I had them in my home. These words are about tuning our hearts to sing the praise of God. And these ten words, they are like sheet music laid out before us. They present a melody of pleasing God and positioning our hearts, listen, to beat to the rhythm of life. So today what I want to do very simply is I want to give you three truths, three truths that teach us about the importance of living a life feeling the weight of His name. Three truths about living a life where you will live this life feeling the weight of His name. So number one, write this down, number one, His name is glorious. Glorious. And I mean that in the kabod terms of Hebrews, of the Hebrew language. Glorious, weighty, heavy. Notice the way the text again demonstrates our relationship with Him. And don't miss that. All these Ten Commandments are put in the terms of redemption. All of these Ten Commandments are the way in which we relate with God. Look at what the Bible says. Notice this language. You personally, shall not take the name of the Lord, and then look at what it says, your God. This is your God, the God of Exodus 19 and verse 4 through 6. This God who has redeemed us, who has called us to Himself, who has made us His very own. He is my God. And hopefully He's your God. This God is our 
God. But notice in your Bible, notice the way that the translators of your English, if you're reading English, notice that the translators of the text, they show you this covenant name of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, all caps. And now, the Bible's not screaming at us. That's not what it means when it's using all caps. Some of you text and you text in all caps. That really means that you're hollering at people, stop it, okay? But that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is the English translators are letting us know that underneath that word is something called the tetragrammaton. Now, I want you to say that because it's fun to say. Try it. Tetragrammaton. Say it again. Tetragrammaton. <laughs> Some of you even rolled your R's. That was good. That, that means the four-letter, the four-letter name of God. Now, underneath that word in our English is the covenant name of God, Yahweh. Or as the Germans translate it, Jehovah. The name, as we learned earlier in Exodus, at the burning bush means, I am that I am. And I love that story. Moses encounters a bush on fire, but it's not consumed. Let me take you there, Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3. Let me take you there. I'm going to take you there by looking at the screen, or you can join with me in your Bible. The Lord speaks from the midst of the fire, and He says this, and don't miss that. How's God speaking these Ten Commandments in the midst of a fire? How's He speak to Moses for the first time in the midst of a fire? Our God is a consuming fire, the Bible says, in another place. And that's exactly what these ten words are. They're intended to consume us. But notice where it starts. From the inside out. The Lord speaks from the midst of the fire and says, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the story continues. Then the Lord said, then Yahweh said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmakers. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. This shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. 
And I love Moses' response. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, pay attention to this, then they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. What's your name? That's Moses' question. Of all the things that he could have asked God at that moment, the one thing that he asked him, what is your name? And God answers. Why on earth does he answer? Because God is entering a relationship with his people. It's a relationship, don't miss this, that he initiates, that he consummates, and that he keeps. It's a relationship, beloved, listen, based upon redemption. Moses' response to God is astounding. He's introduced to God, and he wants to know more. And that's what it means to know God. God both satisfies our deepest longings, and while He's satisfying our deepest longings, He leaves us wanting more and more of Him. See, His is the well that never runs dry. In the words of an old Anglican hymn, He feeds us till we want no more, and then He feeds us again. From, from his endless supply. Now Moses interacts with God, not just once, but several times. And I love on another occasion after the Ten Commandments, flip with me, you need to follow along here. Flip along forward with me past chapter 32, past that incident of the golden calf. Go to chapter 33 and then look at verse 17. Moses, after the Ten Commandments, after the golden calf, after he's encountered God on the mountain, after he's asked him his name, Moses wants more. He has to see God's glory. Look at what happens. Join me in verse 17. And Yahweh, the Lord, said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight. Now look at this. And I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And then pay attention, don't miss this. And I will proclaim before you my name. How's God going to show his glory? He's going to tell Moses his name. Now, here's his name. Pay attention. 
the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But God said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And then skip down to chapter 34, beginning at verse 5. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed, don't miss this, the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, Elohim, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Now, aren't you glad that that's his name? His name is glorious. And from that name, look at what we learn. We learn who he is. He is a merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Unless we think that he's cute and cuddly and can be manipulated into our own ways, we're reminded that he will by no means clear the guilty. His name is associated with his character. It means something. And we are not to take it in vain or use it lightly. Have you ever wondered what your name means? Many of you perhaps know that was an evangelist friend of mine in uh, Raleigh. He was in the Raleigh area, one of the North Carolina Baptists. He had this gift of he memorized what people's names mean. And so he would come up to you and you would tell him your name and he would tell you what your name means. My name, for example. My name, Timothy. Timotheus means honoring God. Andrew means strong and manly. Some of you think that I live up to one more than the other. I understand. I do too on some days. My name really means that I have a lot to live up to, and I've oftentimes thought about that. Honoring God, strong and manly. I should have been named Andrew Timothy, strong and manly, honoring God. But anyway, I'll talk to my brother about that one day. Katie and I, we named each of our children on purpose as many of you did. We thought through the names. All of those names are special to us. It started out with Adelie, and that's not one of those southern double names. It's just one word, Adelie. After two miscarriages, we were told by a geneticist at the University of North Carolina that we probably would never have children. Now we have three. And the first child 
Her name, Adelie, is from Psalm 46, and it means God is my refuge. So every time we say her name, we remember that story. Every time we say her name, we remember that our help comes from the Lord. By the way, one of the reasons I want to hold on to Timothy, Andrew, is because of my son, Titus, Andrew. I named him after me. <laughs> you have to be a, enjoy the Bible to get that because Titus comes after Timothy. Now, he has, he has the hard part next, right? If he wants to continue that, he has to name his son Philemon Andrew. We can call him Philip. I've already got that planned out. And then Hebrews, we can just call him Jude. James is easy. We can go on down the list and start all the way back at Matthew. So Titus Andrew is named after me. Ezra James, we wanted him to have a strong biblical name, Ezra. You'd be surprised at how many people come up to us and say, oh, where did you get that name? From Holy Scripture. That's my response. But James is Katie's dad's name, and so we named him after her dad. All of our children have names that mean something. You have a name that means something. Maybe you're named a family name. Maybe you're named, you don't know where they got the name from. I had had an aunt one time, her name was Balzora. No idea where they came up with that name, but somehow they came up with a name. But you're named on purpose. Somebody thought about what they were going to call you. And the Lord's name, just like your name, it means something too. But the Lord's name is hallowed or holy. It's not to be taken lightly because His name is glorious. God cares a great deal about what you say. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, as one preacher said, what is down in the well is going to come up in the bucket. In your mouth, in my mouth, whether we like it or not, reveals the posture of our heart. And God calls us to Himself to bend our hearts towards Him, and He wants the posture of our heart to always consider Him. And when we consider Him, we're to remember that His name is not vain, but glorious. It's not empty. It's full. It's not weightless and careless, but weighty. And this is why we, this is why the Lord says that He won't hold one guiltless who takes His name in vain. Taking God's name in vain reveals that you don't know Him. And knowing Him is the very reason that He gave us His name. Number two this morning, keep His glory in mind when you use His name. Keep His glory in mind, but not just when you use His name, just in general. Keep His glory in mind. You see, you and I are special. You're not special because your mama called you special. You're special because God says you're special. Because He has called you to know Him, 
And that comes with a responsibility. Knowing Him means that you now have the responsibility to make Him known. And in some mysterious way, I hope that you understand this, in some mysterious way, God takes the circumstances of your life and weaves a tapestry of His grace and puts your life on display for the whole world to see the glory of God. My life? You don't understand what I've been through. Why would God take this diagnosis and use it for His glory? Why would God take this heartache and use it for His glory? Why would God take this success and use it for His glory? That's what He does. In some mysterious way, He takes the circumstances of your life and He makes Himself known. Because, see, He has united Himself with you. And you get to be called by His name. You get to be called the people of His possession. You now have the responsibility to live as sons and daughters, to remember who you are, to remember who He is, and remember who, you, who He's called you to be. And if you're thinking clearly, you will remember at the mere mention of His name. You see, He calls us into relationship with Him. And relating with God starts, listen, it starts by revering His name, revering His name. He has redeemed us. He is mighty to save. He forgives we know His name, but listen, not, not before He knew our name. It's after He calls you by your name that He begins to reveal Himself to you. He knew you first before you even had a thought of Him. He knew you. He loved you. He pursued you. And after He calls us to Himself, He tells us who He is. And then He calls us to live with our whole life with Him ever before us as we remember His name, revere His name and to not take His name in vain. If you can use God's name with anger, without any remorse, you probably don't know Him. If you can use His name without reverence, if the thought of Him in your mind does not evoke praise in your heart. You probably don't know Him. If you're constantly using His name to hold up your own agenda, then you haven't felt the weight of His name. And of all the points that I considered this week, this one is the closest to me.
because I'm a preacher. I get to proclaim his name. I get to tell you about Jesus. Far be it from me that I would ever think about this moment as serving me instead of serving him. Far be it from me as your pastor to ever think that you should serve me instead of me serving you. I'm weary of the people who come to me and they say, God told me this. God told me that. I'm I'm sympathetic with when they come to me and when they say that. But you know, there's a difference between I feel led of God to tell you this and an outright God told me to tell you. You know why? Because you might be wrong. You might be trying to use God's name to hold up your own agenda, to get your way, to get your foot in the door, to gain somebody's sympathies. But beware. God doesn't give his glory to another. And he can't. Because he's glorious. You see, God wants us to feel the weight of his name. This is the point of the third word. Psalm 8 says that his name is due glory. Psalm 8 says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Psalm 29 and verse 2 says that his name is due glory. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. I just read that. Psalm 8 says, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, there is no other name under heaven, no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. And Philippians chapter 4 says, one name above all names is going to remain. And that's where I want to take you into our third point this morning. One day, one day, the earth will know His glory. One day, the earth will know his glory. And so I just want to ask you this morning for you to look inside your heart, for you to ask God to look inside your heart and just ask yourself this question, do you know his name? Do you worship him? All of us if we're honest, we're prone to wonder. We're prone to using His name in vain. We're prone to forgetting the weight of it. The very people that He created, the earth and all of its inhabitants, take His name and misuse it, abuse it, treat it as if it's empty, treat it as if it's hollow, flippantly say it, and we're told not to do this. How often are we guilty of breaking the third word? Proverbs 30 gives us a riddle. Listen to the riddle. Who has ascended to the heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? And then listen to this. 
What is his name? And what is his son's name? Surely you know. And that riddle would remain in the writings. That's the last part of the Hebrew Bible. That riddle would remain in the writings for centuries. What's his name? What's his son's name? Until one day an angel appeared to Joseph and told him that his betrothed would bear a son whose name would be God with us, or Emmanuel. What's his name? He's the one who speaks and the oceans obey. The demons flee. The dead are raised to life. He's the one who calls men and women to follow him. He is the one with whom the Father is well pleased. When the Pharisees questioned him, he told them, Before Abraham was, I am. And he is the one who the night of his betrayal, he knocked over an entire mob that was coming after him simply by saying, I am he. He is holy. And God has highly exalted him, the Bible says, and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name. You ready for his name? So that at the name of Jesus, say it with me, Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is who? Lord! Yahweh! Jehovah! To the glory of God the Father. He knows my name. And I know His name. Do you? I took His name in vain. I violated His law. I couldn't carry His name. And so He took my name. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that I could become a Son of God. Without ceasing to be what He was, He became what He was not so that He could make us as He is. And when God looks at me, He doesn't see a violator of the covenant, a breaker of His laws, a taker of His name in vain. You know what He sees? He sees a son in whom He's well pleased. And my simple question for you this morning is how does God see you?
Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Dr. Andy Brown, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Startville in Startville, Mississippi. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to follow Hearing is Believing on Facebook and rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us at hearingisbelieving.org.